Well, the Obi-Wan Kenobi series finale, or at least season finale, because we don't know if it's going to be picked up again, is finally out, and just about everyone has an opinion about it, including us, and of course our opinions are the right opinions. <laughs> of course, you're entitled to whatever opinion you want, but what is this show really about? Well, this is our spoiler discussion about Obi-Wan Kenobi, Episode 6. We'll talk about what we liked, what we didn't like. And we'll talk a little bit more about what the show represents, at least for us, and maybe some of the questions the show is asking. This will be a spoiler-filled show for the entire Obi-Wan Kenobi series, even episode six. So if you haven't seen it, you might want to watch or listen after you've seen it. Welcome to the Story Geek Show. I'm Jay Shear, co-writer of Death of a Bounty Hunter and Time Slingers. The full cast audiobook of Death of a Bounty Hunter is available on Audible, audiobooks.com, Apple Books, in just about any place that you can get audiobooks. Support the show by purchasing a copy. Links are in the description. And there's also a trailer on this very channel. If you go uh, back in the videos, I just released it today. You can watch the trailer. It's got some really cool illustrations that were done by Kendall Good, who is a really talented artist. Recommended to us by another talented artist, Malachi Ward, a good friend of the, a good friend of the show. So definitely check out that trailer. But joining me on today's show, two people who have already talked about Kenobi with us before, Michael Young from Nerd Soul. How are you, Michael? <laughs> not bad, not bad, not bad. Ready, <laughs> ready to, ready to go on and put this show to rest. Go on and lay, it, <laughs> lay it down and let it, uh, let it be done. Yeah. So you and I talked about just really quick to remind people. You and I talked before the show had even started. So now here we are six weeks later or whatever it is and we get to talk about whether or not any of our predictions came true and all that kind of good stuff um but i was also on i just a really quick plug for your show you invited me on your show the other day we talked about episodes three through five and mm -hmm. our discussion prompted another live show i did today because i did a live show comparing the movie logan to yeah. kenobi because they're very similar in their setups um, and that was a really fun, interesting thought exercise. So thank you for building that idea in my mind for us to go ahead and You're discuss welcome. that. That was fun. <laughs> so it'd be fun to talk to you about Kenobi. And then also Brian Dillon is here and you were just here last week, Brian. Yep. Yeah. Back. Glad to be back again. Thank yeah, you. Back to back. Of course we invited Megan. We invited the Orange Grove 55 crew, OG Andre. Um, I thought that oh Josh Taylor. We're gonna have a whole crew of people that had talked about the show already, and uh these are the only people that could make it. <laughs> so <laughs> but I appreciate you guys coming on the show. Uh it's good to it's good to see you too. Um and Bryant, of course, is from Fanbase Press. Uh so why don't why don't Mike, why don't you uh just give a quick shout out to your channel and where people can find you? And then Bryant, after Mike's done, you can do the same. Sure thing. All right. Well, N-E-R-D-S-O-U-L. Uh, we do hip hop and geek. Uh, we also do some gaming. We've been playing Guilty Gear Strive and, of course, Shredder's Revenge lately. Also getting ready to talk about Evil because that's back. And Motherland Force Salem is back. And then, of course, Star Trek and Star Wars or whatever else. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. And you said you're ready to close out Kenobi. So I want to hear more about that yes. pretty soon. Um, <laughs> so, Brian, tell me a little bit. Tell everybody a little bit about where they can find you and what you've been up to. Sure. Uh, you can find uh, everything I do at fanbasepress.com. We are uh, a, a geek culture website and indie publisher. We like to say that uh, we celebrate fandoms and create new ones. Um, 
on the on the creation end right now we've just released our our latest comic uh the first digital uh issue for it ripple effects which is a a superhero story uh by jordan hart that uh tackles invisible disabilities and uh modern life as a superhero and then uh on the on the celebrating fandoms and we have been uh diving into et lately uh, it's the 40th anniversary of et mm. so we put together a little podcast panel to discuss that and uh we will be doing more of those coming up nice that's awesome and should mention fanbase press uh is a eisner nominated organization this year so that's oh yes awesome. thank you thank you we we're luck lucky enough to get a nomination uh thank you yes for comics uh journalism so if you're looking for uh, a little indie uh comic news in your life uh you can find it at fanbasepress.com nice this is a pretty casual show for tonight so if you are watching live and you want to add comments i'll bring those up as i can as we're going through it um but we are going to get into kenobi episode six Episode six Excellent. starts with just I'll just do a really quick recap. Episode six starts with Vader chasing what remains of the path. Um, they're all in a, they're all in the spacecraft and and the Star Destroyer is is hunting down what remains of the path, which by the way is essentially the earliest Rebels I think we've seen in live action. It's really the earliest Rebels I think that we've ever seen on on screen before. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah. So uh, Obi-Wan realizes that he has to abandon that ship so that Vader will leave the rebellion force alone. And meanwhile, Reva is after Luke Skywalker and Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru realize they need to fight off Reva to protect Luke. That all leads to Vader and Obi-Wan facing off yet again in another lightsaber fight and Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru fighting off Reva. So we'll cover all of these topics as we go through <laughs> it, but that's the basic recap of the show. It is it is essentially the third act. So we have Obi-Wan defeating Vader without killing him. Reva realizes she can't kill Luke, and Leia makes it back to Alderaan, and we see Obi-Wan meet Luke Skywalker for the first time, and we see F Force Ghost Qui-Gon Jinn, which I said I was going to be really mad if we didn't see him. <laughs> we, see, we did see him, <laughs> which is all kind of fun. But I want to start out with you guys. So, uh, so Mike, I'll start with you. What is your scale of one to ten take on this episode of Kenobi, but then the series as a whole now that we've finished it? Hmm. As, all right, this episode, I don't know. I might sit it somewhere around maybe like a six and a half or something. Okay. Um, there was some cool stuff in it. Yeah. But then they also did the cutaway thing that I hate. <laughs> like this is what you've been waiting for ever since this show has even been announced <laughs> this cutaway <laughs> to uncle owen um even though uncle owen is cool but just yeah. you know do uncle owen in his his spot <laughs> and then, um and then the series as a whole uh, it's been kind of a mixed bag for me mm. maybe like lower at i don't man i don't want to say this about a kenobi show maybe <laughs> at like maybe at like a six 5.5 something like that okay. it's been there's been stuff that i really thought was cool and then the show as a whole just didn't really pull it together mm, for me mm. so i don't know i mean it That's wasn't fair. horrible it's fair yeah it yeah, just yeah. wasn't great so yeah, yeah i think 5.5 for the season and a 6.5 maybe a seven due to the power displays but that also brings questions as well. <laughs> right. So yeah, 
Right. Okay, I like that. I like that. What about you, Brent? Where do you rate this particular episode? And then how does that fit overall in the series? You know, this episode, I would put... Uh, you know, I, I I think I liked it uh, obviously a little little bit more than than Michael, but um, uh, yeah, I would say honestly, between an eight and a nine for me was the the final oh. episode. I liked the the last uh, episode a little bit more, uh, but this was pretty satisfying for me. Um, it had clumsy elements. I will I will give that uh, throughout the series. Um, you know, there were times when stuff felt a little more low budget than I would like it to, or mm. um, I just would have liked to see things executed slightly different. But what I thought really uh, pulled this series through uh, were some pretty fantastic performances, especially by Ewan McGregor. Um, and then uh, they got, while, while the, the structure feels a little weird to me, a few of the choices feel weird, the heart seems to be there. Um, there were several moments, I, I would say th three or four moments in this final episode where I was like feeling, feeling the, the tears welling. They definitely plucked my heartstrings, uh, you know, uh, a couple times. Um, but, uh, I can, as, a, as I guess overall, I would give this maybe a, an eight, a okay. solid B, you know, uh, grade for, for this series. It was probably one of the the better live action series that we've we've seen so far in star wars but um i think expectations were really high for this one you know mm -hmm. and i don't know if we can say that it really met those for for all fans obviously there's always going to be some fans who are not uh pleased with anything star wars is one of those franchises so big that there's there's always going to be those people that like <laughs> to chuck rocks at the side you know um but but giving uh you know being fair to everyone i would still think that you know this is either going to work for you or it's not uh it's not one of those things i think where we're you would you would be completely surprised if someone was to say, uh, you know, this didn't work for me or that didn't work for me. It's really going to be a case to case basis, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I totally I totally think that that's true. I find myself in the very unenviable position of being someone who feels very middle ground about this. Mm -hmm. and, and that's maybe the worst place you can possibly <laughs> be, because you have these people on the Internet. They're like, it's the best show I've ever seen. And then you have these people on the Internet. that are like. It's awful, and then and I'm just like, yeah, it's like, it's like, come on, man, come on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I just, I just, I don't, I don't know. I, 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 I feel very middle ground, and I'm going to say something that I think may be shocking to both of you, but for this final episode, mm -hmm. now, Brian, you and I talked about episode five last week, and I said it was a nine. Um, yeah. I don't know why, but I, wa I've watched this show uh, twice now. Okay. And I thought maybe on the second time it'll be better. I I actually dislike the ending. I I, I don't like okay. the way it ended at all. I thought it was about a four out of ten, coming off a really good episode. I thought, but it was a nine out of ten that that like was leading us in a direction that could be like, wow, this could be this could be really cool for the end of this show. And I think that basically what it comes down to, and I'll, I'll, I'll we're gonna explore this because we'll get into this all together. But for me, it ended up being sort of like this show was fan service and wish fulfillment for people who wanted to see these, these people on screen again. And it was like, Oh, that's interesting because I thought this show was going to maybe have a little bit more to say, and I'm not sure that it did. And that, and this is not meant to, I'm saying this not as somebody who, you know, if you loved it, you should love it. You shouldn't care what I think about it. Like, but as somebody <laughs> who's like looking for something a little bit deeper in star Wars, 
what it felt like was a little bit more of a cash grab to me. And okay. so it just that to me felt kind of like, oh, I'm struggling through this. So let's get into some of the reasons uh, <laughs> why why we think that. And and we've got a couple of people in the chat. One said, I don't know, man. Vader was the scariest he's ever been in episode six. A glimmer of what the prequels might have offered. And then Rogue Disney, who was on the show this morning talking about um, Logan versus uh, Obi-Wan with me. And Rogue Disney did not like it. He was more like on my side of it where he's like, I'm struggling with this. He says it was weaponized nostalgia, which is a which is a way which is a way of saying wow. what I said too. So, um, so obviously we all have opinions. Weaponized is, nostalgia, that's a good one. That's a. It, I, I, we're gonna use that. Like we should do hashtag weaponized nostalgia on a lot of these shows out here these days. Um, so lo, so let's get into what we liked. Let's start in the positive side of things, Brian. I'm gonna start with you because you like this a lot more than we did. So, sure. so encourage us and tell us what was yeah. good about this. Help us. Right, <laughs> Help. Let, me, uh, let me see if I can go, I can go through with some of the things I like. Uh, first off, I thought that they did uh, a really good uh, job staging the, the Vader Kenobi fight in a, a star Wars environment, which I think was a little for me, what uh, affected it negatively. Their, their previous conflict It was sort of just in the mm. you know middle of the desert this small town, it felt a little low budget fan film to me. This felt much more like uh, a, a believable like Star Wars encounter with these these weird, uh, you know, um, <laughs> cave or, or hill uh, growths or whatever that were coming <laughs> out like of the ground. Little volcanoes or something. Right, right, right. I mean, it was and it, and it didn't feel too derivative of something we'd seen before. You know, it wasn't like here's a lava planet, here's a snow. It was it was a little bit unique, which I think is always a, a thing that Star Wars struggles uh, a little bit, uh, mm. very minor thing, of course. Um, for me, the the as I said, the character moments are what really worked for me uh, mm. in this film. I wish that they had gone a little bit further with some of it. I think I had talked to UJ about how I really wanted Obi Wan to um, kind of fulfill what Return of the Jedi I think sort of promises. There's a scene where Luke and Vader talk, and and Vader, uh, Luke's sort of telling him like, "Come with me, leave this. What are we doing?" You know, and and um, and Vader says, hey, Kenobi used to think like you do. I can't, I can't uh, disobey my master. You know, the dark side, this is what I'm about. Um, and so I really wanted to see Kenobi be like to his friend, like, come come with me. You know, mm -hmm. like, let's leave. Let's leave this hate behind. Um, but what is almost tragic and and painful in, in, a, in a good way is I don't know that that's who... Obi-Wan is, you know, mm. I don't know. That's exactly how he feels about Anakin. Um, and we see this very big moment where uh, one of the moments that, that brought me to, to near tears was Obi-Wan sincerely apologizing to Anakin ah. and trying, you know, yeah. trying to say like, listen, man, I'm sorry for all of this, that, that I'm, I've been fighting you. And now I'm realizing like, this isn't what I want to do. I don't want to destroy you. I, I'm not, I don't want to think less of you. I just, I just, the pain kind of comes out. Um, and I wish that he could have said like, you know, come with me, I'll help you or something. But then I think that that's the problem here. And that's, that's sort of the, the sad thing is these were two great friends and I don't know that they ever can come back together. Anakin has crossed lines that even if Obi-Wan can feel sympathy for him, can, can get to that, that heart. Mm. I don't know that he can look past what he's done, you mm. know? And uh, what's interesting about that is sort of that's repeated, I think in both, um, I mean, maybe in all three trilogies of the films is that it really takes the right person reaching out to 
someone who's struggling with this kind of trauma at the right time, mm. you know, and it, it, that's okay. very true to life, you know, like sometimes it's, it's a certain person that reaches out to you and, and, and stops someone from whatever, doing harm to themselves, doing harm to the others, but they might've been approached 30 times before, but mm. it's the 31st time, you know, from a specific individual that really hits that point. And, and, and I think you see that with Kylo Ren, you see that with Vader, you see that with Anakin, this, the right, people come at a certain time to kind of pull them back from the edge. But there are many other people that try to reach out to them. And, and, you know, the, the anger, the pain doesn't allow them to be vulnerable. doesn't allow them to, to reach back out. And so, so I thought that was really interesting. Um, I also really, I, I loved the connection between Leia and Obi-Wan. Who I think I mentioned before that it was, is something I never thought I wanted, but I really, <laughs> really, uh, grew it really grew on me and and the final while the their final scene together wasn't exactly uh what i imagined it was still again i think like a uh you know he brings your heart your heart into your throat when when he gives her that just honest moment about like listen here's here's where you got from your parents who these are who your parents were mm. you know i can't i can't give you details i can't i can't um give you the whole truth but I can give you enough that you don't have to be an orphan who just wonders like, what were my what were my parents like? And and mm -hmm. so I I felt like uh, there were some great moments like that that really uh, I guess the other one Riva when she says the line of have I become him, mm. you know that was another one that hit me really strong of just like especially in the times we live in to have someone who is experienced this trauma of being a child, seeing this death, um, and then living with that hate and that mm. anger for so long, and then coming to the realization that she's becoming the very thing that she's hate, that she's going to kill children to get some sort of vengeance yeah. or revenge, and that she's able to walk back a little bit, you know, from that. Again, I think Star Wars is really important in, in pop culture because it, it does tell these morality tales. Um, you know, some may, might think it's sappy. Some maybe it is weaponized nostalgia to a degree, but, <laughs> but Star Wars, you know, has its roots in nostalgia. It's basically a nostalgia look, uh, a nostalgic look back on, on adventure serials and, and Flash Gordon and stuff like that. But, but I think these moments really, at least for me, when I was growing up, these are the kind of moments that stuck with me and taught me who I wanted to be going forward. You know, when when Luke cho chooses to throw his lightsaber away and say, no, you know, this is my father. This is Anakin Skywalker. This isn't Darth Vader. Mm. And and we are Jedis. Uh, I mean, there's moments like that 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 really uh, formed who I was. And I, I see this being the same thing for for another generation that's watching it. Yeah, yeah. That's, I, I mean, all of those things. I, I think I think I can I can get mostly on board with. I, I saw a couple of those moments you mentioned. I saw them a little bit differently, which I'll get into. But but uh, Mike, tell us tell us what you thought of. What are the, some of the things that you liked about this episode? This episode, the things that I really liked were the action because I'm an action guy. Yeah. So the the fight felt like it mattered to both of them. Mm. So that's something that I really dug. It it kind of came through or came across on screen like this is something that it was it was dire for both of them. Mm. Like this is something like like okay, this this has to be done on Darth Vader's side. I have to kill you because technically 
you're my last tie to the light or whatever. Mm. I'm under the impression Ahsoka's dead. So I killed my I killed my apprentice. Now I have to kill my master. And mm. then all of that will be over. And you even kind of get a little bit from the emperor too. Like, you know, it's like, you, you getting soft out there? So he's like, <laughs> <laughs> so, and then on Obi-Wan's side, he's like, I have to stop this man. Mm. He's gone crazy. Like in this whole empire thing, I've got to stop it. Mm. Like I tried to hide from it. I can't hide from it. So now I got to stop it. I have to end this. And that's something that really, really came through for me on in that particular fight. Mm. Even their shows of power, it, it was like, oh, okay, okay, this you guys are going to another level due to how important this battle, the specific battle is for both of you. Hmm. On Reva's side, that's the part where I was like, you know what? Even though I'm not down with the reason why she's doing this, it is cool on the other end seeing Owen and mm. um oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh Baru. What is her name? Baru. Yeah. I don't know why I wanted to call her Bree, but anyway, <laughs> Baru, um, they they did not run. And that's something that I that I definitely enjoyed. Mm. She was like, look, hey, if they're coming, they're coming. Mm. So, you know, you got to look, hey, guys, just keep protection in your homes. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, <laughs> what a, what look, a great additional <laughs> layer for those characters, too, that have been with us yeah. for so long, you know? Yeah. Because yeah. you didn't know they were really, you know, they were ready to, you know, you know, they were ready to do what they had to do. So, mm -hmm. and then even the way they, like, flanked her and all that, hiding Luke, I really enjoyed that. Now, Reva's side, it was it was sad to see that this is like the only thing she had left. Mm. Like, this is really all she had left. There's no way she's going to get close to Vader again. You can forget you know. that. You can throw that out the window. <laughs> so, it, she's just desperate. And it's sad. Like, just seeing her like this because one second she was close to, like, you know, achieving her goal, if you if you will. But seeing her fall, even to the point where she says to Obi-Wan, have I, have I become him? Um, but seeing Owen and Baru stand up like they did, I love that. That yeah. whole sequence of the house. And then you get to see a little more dimension of like how the house is as opposed to um, the original trilogy. Now, um, Bryant did... Um, he brought up my favorite scene from the original trilogy mm. when Luke gives himself up to Vader. Yeah. And he's like, he's like, ah, so you see you can't win. And he's like, no, I see that you're my father. And then for a second, you see Vader pause and yeah. he's like, it's too late for me. And mm. even though he has on a mask, you can feel that emotion of like, I mean, I would, because I thought both of you were dead. But I've gone way too far, bro. Like I'm going, <laughs> like, and just almost, almost a situation where he might be ashamed in front of his own son. Mm. And he drops was, drops that mask for a second that you're talking about because it's what's really interesting is like he's just like a, a a figure of of intimidation in every other scene. Yeah, but yeah, then he lets it go for that one moment. Yeah, when he says it's too late for me, it's like that. That's forever my favorite scene. Mm. of the whole trilogy. Oh, well, the original trilogy. Mm. 
-hmm. The sequel trilogy, I, I don't know, been fair to say, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the action, the shows of power, and even, uh, and then the last thing, Darth Vader's taunts. Darth, Darth Vader got some taunts. Man. Like, <laughs> like, it's like he's the man and he knows it. Like, he's like, ah, oh, your strength is back, but the weakness is still there. I was like, um, uh, if you guys get a chance, there's a comic book run called Vader Down, I think. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The rebels are like, oh, yeah, we got Vader. Oh, man, he's surrounded or whatever. And I, I don't know what issue it is or whatever, um, but he, they're like, we got you surrounded. He's like, I'm surrounded. It says something like, I'm surrounded by dead men in desperation or something like that. Yeah. He's like, Vader is not, he's like, yo, he does not play games. So uh, that's that's something that I liked about this last episode. That's awesome. And how they played it out. Yeah. I And by the way, uh, Rogue Disney has a really good question for us that I'm going to tackle as soon as I answer this question about what I liked. Mm -hmm. So uh, one of the things I really, really enjoyed was John Williams is unmatchable. He's unmatchable. There, there's not yeah. another composer that can play in Star Wars. Giacchino right. has done a great job. Other composer, uh, I think Ludwig has done a great job with Mandalorian. Great, great, great stuff. But there is nothing that makes you feel like a John Williams soundtrack, like a John Williams score. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I remember when I, when they were when they were having Leia go through picking up all of the all of the instruments she was going to put on and they're playing just her theme in the background. I'm like, this is just, you just yeah. can, you can do this to me all day and I'm going to like it because this is so the, the music is so evocative. Right, right. So I did love that. I love them bringing in that at the end there. Um, and then just like you, uh, Mike, I could watch an entire series on uncle Owen and aunt brew. Um, this was really fun to see them like get into action. I think that, uh, both of the actors who play the younger versions do a phenomenal job with those younger versions and have probably mm -hmm. been some of my favorite performances. They're very minor performances, but they're some of my favorite performances of the Kenobi series. So I really, really enjoyed that. And then I also really enjoyed, um, I didn't, I didn't enjoy the battle as much as you guys enjoyed the battle because what I kept thinking in my head was like, I know we're not going anywhere with this. Like, sure. there's, uh, no one here so, is dying. Like, so it kind of doesn't matter. It kind of doesn't matter. Yeah, but I did. I did to to Brian's point, and I think it was for me. It was sealed when this was very much an artistic choice that I think was the right artistic choice, and it was just about as perfect as you could handle the scenario. Which is when you when Vader's got half his mask missing, you can actually uh, see yeah. Anakin and the voices going in and out between Hayden Christensen and the and the uh, the voice modulation that they right. use for Vader, that was sometimes Star Wars. Star Wars will try to capture trauma in a way that does not feel <laughs> the, uh, the the one the one that comes to mind automatically is the Vader no right at the end of, of Revenge of the Sith, where it's like that doesn't seem like something Vader would have done. But in this moment, with Anakin being half Vader, half Anakin, face off against Obi Wan Kenobi dealing with all of the trauma that he's had, trying to put that on Obi-Wan's shoulders, saying he's never going back to any. I thought that that was a really strong moment. And I also thought that it was directed really well. Um, the way that they filmed that, I thought was really, really good. Uh, but before we get into what we didn't like, let's tackle this question from Rogue Disney, which I think is a really, really good one. Do you feel, I'll start with you, Mike, do you feel like this okay. was more designed for those 
that don't know Star Wars. So is this more of a thing for like new Star Wars fans, or is this more of a thing for fans who people who have been fans of Star Wars for like as long as the three of us, which is basically our entire lives, right? Like, what do you think? I mean, I guess on one hand, you could say, you know, you're always trying to get new fans, Hmm. but the the legend of Kenobi is at least even if you're talking prequels, you're still talking like 18 or so years, 20 years, like 22 years, something like that. Mm. So however long that is, you're, uh, I mean, maybe they're trying to get new fans, Mm. you know, that might be interested. Oh, who's this guy? But I don't know. It doesn't seem like a show built for brand new fans in the way that Mandalorian is. Ah. Um, But I could be wrong. Um, but for me, it seems like, hey, you guys all love Kenobi. You've been loving him your whole lives. <laughs> and you you wanted to know what he's been doing at this point in time. And you finally got something for you. Like, that's kind of, I guess, yeah. what I feel it was for. But, I mean, I guess you never know. You know, what goes on the, because if you ask me what went on in the boardrooms is, I think they had five cool scenes mapped out mm. and they said okay let's just get to shooting <laughs> <laughs> like, we got the oh, volume well, go shoot yeah 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 <laughs> well, i had to add something in there between <laughs> but, but um nah i i, I don't think so okay. i think it's okay. more for kind of like those established that wanted to get a deeper look at obi-wan so I'd say no, maybe not. I think Boba and Obi-Wan are definitely for older fans, Mm. I think. Okay. And then Mandalorian is definitely for someone new. Ahsoka is probably going to be for someone who's like new-ish because the Clone Wars, well, Clone Wars, even the animated series dates back now. It's It's been a while since that first episode. So, or no, sorry, the movie. So... Maybe Ahsoka's not even really for new, new people, but mm. we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. What do you think, Brian? Um, I guess I have a, a little bit of both. Uh, okay. You know, that it is it is, and it isn't in some ways. I think the approach here is that, um, that with Ewan McGregor coming back and with the, the knowledge of uh, the character of Obi-Wan, you know, being somebody that not only present in the prequels, but, you know, big presence in the original trilogy. I think that Disney and Lucasfilm were aware more people are going to be turning into the tuning into this one Mm. than uh, every other series that we've put out. Mandalorian has brought in a lot of people, you know, I'm sure like the Andor show show is all these shows are going to bring in a lot of people, but a lot of uh, people tuning in are, are like us. We, we live and breathe this stuff. We were talking about like, oh yeah, this happened in the book. And then, th- you know, this connects to a comic or, or whatever. This is in the legends lore. Um, and yeah. I think one of the, uh, the things they knew with this series is like, hey, some people are going to come in that have only watched the movies mm. and maybe not like uh, fanatically, you know, mm. they, they saw them, they know the story basically, but they're not, they're not living and breathing this stuff, but it's big enough that, Ewan McGregor's coming back that they know this character that they're going to tune in. Um, I mean, my my uh, mother is watching this series and she doesn't watch every Star Wars series, but this one, you know, drew her back specifically because of the actor and 
and the character. And so I think with that, um, one of the interesting things that you get with a series like this is uh, repetition for some of the audience, but not all of the audience. Like one big scene here that I think is pulled right from the animated uh, series, which I think all the animated series have been pretty phenomenal, is the uh, the damage to Vader's helmet, you know, and, and the modulating voice. I mean, it's straight out of the mm. Ahsoka confrontation in Rebels. Mm. But they yep. knew, you know, only a certain audience. I mean, I have friends, and I'm sure you do too, where you're like, watch this please this is some of the best star wars out there and and you know they're like well it's animated i don't know if i'm ever going to make it to it's like me trying to get someone some people to read comics some people are just never going to make that jump you know um so there's there's a chance to take that to a cinematic level and i think that's they wanted to mine you know some of that territory in, in several different uh areas here you know um things like the inquisitors are very well known to to uh, hardcore Star Wars fans, but to someone who's only watched the the, the movies, they, this is a new thing, you mm -hmm. know. Mm. Um, so, so I think it's a little bit of both. I think it is it is supposed to walk the line of appealing to old fans and mm. new fans, but they definitely knew, like, hey, we want people to be able to come in that have only seen the movies and not be completely lost, or at least be able to follow along and and, and sort of maybe we reteach them some of the things that that others have seen in, in the comics or the animated series or even other TV series that we we've done. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Good points. Yeah. By the way, Brian Barbie also not noticed the rebels, um, Anakin and Ahsoka uh, similarities there too. So I want to give him a shout out. I, I think this show was, was specifically designed for a very specific type of audience that I think Disney is essentially doubling down on. Um, and I think mm -hmm. that essentially what Disney decided was that they are going to double down on the audience who grew up with the prequels. Now, let me tell you, I think, why they're doing that. I think they're doing that because they learned a couple lessons um, that I think uh, maybe were lessons that I wish they hadn't learned. And, and a part of the fandom wishes this. The first thing that they learned was that they don't really have the people and... Uh, process and oversight in place to do franchise storytelling the way that Marvel does. And we saw that because of the sequel trilogy, everybody knows, objectively speaking, that you might like certain parts of the sequel trilogy, but the sequel trilogy as a whole does not work, right? And, and by the way, I, I've done this on other shows and I won't go into it now, but you can see, you can track back to why it doesn't work. You, and it's not like, one director is the problem. <laughs> the problem is, is there's too many cooks in the kitchen with different ideas about what yeah. Star Wars should be, right? So I think that that caused Disney to say, if we're going to start creating Star Wars for a specific group of people, which group of people are we creating Star Wars for? And what does Disney know about its ability to please a crowd? They know that Dave Filoni is the heir apparent to George Lucas, Sure. And yeah. so what they did was, in my opinion, they said, you know what? We're just going to double down on the prequel audience. We know we can still pull viewers from the original trilogy. Who's That's me, right? I'm the old guy. Um, pull the viewers from the original trilogy because we're still going to use some of those same characters that were in the prequels. And we're just going to go down that path again. And when I look at how Twitter responds to all of the new shows, Twitter responds to prequel era stuff 
which is shocking to me because the prequels. <laughs> I, I did a listing of all the all of the um, all of the live action Star Wars today, and the prequel, the three prequel trilogy films are at the bottom of my list. Right, like they're not. I don't hate them, but they're just my least favorite Star Wars. And so sure. I think that Disney's basically doubled down for that particular audience. I think that that particular audience is responding <laughs> incredibly well to the Kenobi series. I mean, they just like. On, online, they're saying it's one of the best things Star Wars has ever done. And I'm sitting here going like, <laughs> I, I don't understand that, but okay. So I think that that for me, um, to, to capitalize <laughs> on what you've both said, it's not a new audience, but it's a newer audience because they just don't care what the original trilogy fans who were fans from way back in the day, I don't think they really care what those fans think. Um They've decided we have a new canon. The <laughs> canon is our canon, and it's we're just going to do it the way we want. May I may I throw in some yes. ideas? Why? Yes, please do. One, the prequel era has something that helps it tremendously. It's called mm. Clone Wars. Yes, Clone Wars cleaned up a whole lot of a whole. They did a whole lot of heavy oh, lifting. Yeah. Yes. Now, as far as the audience, the audience, a little less racist. And a little more forgiving, yes, as far as like story yes. stuff goes, correct. Um, so that's where they're like, Hey, correct. look, also, it's a younger audience, they're probably buying a little bit more merch. Oh, yeah, than the older yeah. audience, no reason so, to sell to people that are dying off. <laughs> <laughs> We're all members of that club. Right? <laughs> right. So it's, like, it's like, hey, let's go to sell to this audience because there's a couple of different reasons. You know, there's the, the hateration in general, yep. then the racism on top of that. Yep. Then also this audience is a little more forgiving yep. to like things that might be, you know, weird and wacky storytelling. And also they probably buy a little more stuff. Um <sighs> Okay, I I think Star Wars can tell stories just just as well as MCU or anyone else, and have you know all these different uh, you know side quests and missions and stories and everything. I think they can. They never they they <laughs> they never have a plan. <laughs> as we see you know what in in the finale of boba fett see you see this gundam right here you see this <laughs> they they could have they should have went with some more mechs no it's good but um, <laughs> but, but, um they don't have a plan mm. and i don't really care whose plan it is mm. just have the plan and do it because even um even <laughs> they even came out after the sequel trilogy and was like, hey, we didn't have a plan. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah we know. We we knew that. <laughs> like we, we said that. Like we we know you didn't have a plan. Like we we knew that. But once again, there's cool stuff in the sequel trilogy that I think is kind of fun. Yeah. Um, there's some great ideas thrown in there, but once again, mm -hmm. it seems like a lot of their situations are we got some great ideas. Let's just shoot something. And it's like, no, you have a story group. What's the point of having them? Yeah. If you're not gonna, if you're, 
like if you're not going to create a story that's compelling and it's not a situation where it's hate because I don't mind, you know, watching it or watching them because there is that side where it's like, oh, well, it's Star Wars. You just need to be happy that Star Wars exists. I'm like, well, let's, <laughs> let's not go that far. Yeah. But I do think that it's time that they figure out what they want Star Wars to be. Yeah. Um, I- and then once they figure out that, then they can figure out what they want their side missions and stuff to be. And then they can get, because I'm like, you got, what, three shows now? And they've all been pretty decent. You know, you've got you've got the extra movies like Solo, which isn't too bad. You got Rogue One, who was really killing it. Yeah. It, it, then you got the sequel trilogy, which, you know, guys, is peaks and valleys. But you have the ability to do this stuff. And you're just ruining it because Star Wars for them is probably still just toys and T-shirts. Yeah. And it could be so much more. That's true. Um, but I, we'll see. I have a little a little bit of a, a different uh, perspective on that. But I think, he, I think Michael has a lot right at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think I think one thing that we uh, also get lost in is that we think because something worked out really well that there was as much of a plan as we think. Mm -hmm. And I think that uh, has lulled a lot of these creatives into um, a sense of like, well, we winged it last time, you know, and that allowed (laughs) creative control or not creative control, but uh, creative flexibility, Um, you know, and that, uh, that attracts uh, tour creators to your projects. Um, Mm -hmm. So I, Marvel has has done this as well. They walk a balance uh, a balance beam of like how do we attract talent? Um, some of it means it has to be young talent. Some of it means that it has to be uh, concessions made, you know. But when you actually read between the lines for say something like the I guess what I would compare the original trilogy of Star Wars to when we're comparing the MCU is is the, the Infinity Saga. They're they're obviously different uh, you know amounts of film. But uh, essentially, they're, they're two complete stories. You know, the original trilogy was one and, and the, the first Infinity, the uh, first run of MCU, the Infinity Saga was the same. And uh, in both situations, I think what happened was like a little bit of magic in a bottle. Yeah. You know, uh, it could have mm-hmm. been horrible. I mean, they didn't really plan out Star Wars as much as we like to think of it. The original trilogy, uh, Lucas no. was constantly <laughs> adapting as, as he went, you know, even to the point that. Um, you know, Gary Kurtz and a few others left, you know, <laughs> after Empire Strikes Back because they didn't like where Return of the Jedi was going. Um, and and many things, you know, changed everything from like Owen being like Obi-Wan's brother to uh, the fact that Leia ended up being Luke's sister, all these things. Um, the, you, there are stories with the MCU that this, the same thing happened, you know, but like they were able to with probably because of Kevin Feige, you know, should have a lot of credit, but they were able to like uh navigate a lot of a lot of waters and make it look easy like oh yeah we planned this 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 thing is paying off here you know and and it would have just taken a little bit you know of tipping one way or the other to make that not happen Hmm. and i and i think you can see that a little bit in where we are going now with the mcu it feels a little less tied together a little less like there's a plan maybe it'll be revealed you know down the road but but this is going to be their dangerous waters is like hey can you do the impossible 
again, you mm, know? Mm. Um, and, and I think Star Wars is in, in a, a difficult place because I totally agree. Like the sequel trilogy, I, I have more love for it than most, but mm-hmm. it needed a, 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 a single vision as, mm. as maybe Star Wars would, would uh, to some degree benefit from because having that individual like Kevin Feige, who's kind of leading the ship, gives you some consistency. You know, I think even with the story group, Star Wars struggles with consistency because there's so much going on mm-hmm. and so much in different layers. I mean, the the canon has changed three <laughs> or four times at this point. You know, I mean, the prequel trilogy came in and like bashed the canon that existed there. Now we have uh, the sequel trilogy coming in and changing that. I mean, even before that. George brought in, uh, as Michael was pointing out, the animated Clone Wars, which was like, hey, by the way, uh, Anakin had a Padawan that you never knew about and he never talked about. And now she's the biggest character, <laughs> you know, in new Star Wars. So I, I, I don't think it's necessarily bad to, to have some flexibility in, in the way that they're approaching things. But, yeah, it's a, it's a give and take. And I, I think the tough thing is you can do something amazing once but can you do it again and again? Are you John Williams? Not everyone is John Williams. You know, they, they can't they can't deliver every single time out of the gate. And uh, and Star Wars has a, a little bit of that. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a little more forgiving of it, but yeah. but it's it's the it grates on itself in certain yeah. areas, you know. Just to pick up on a couple of things that you guys said, and, and we'll move on. It's a great question, Rogue. Dudes. Yeah, I appreciate it because it's generated a lot of discussion. <laughs> but the um, but the point to be made here is that the 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 value center from a money from a revenue standpoint for disney does not lie in the original trilogy fan group because that original trilogy fan group is likely not is not as likely to go to the theaters right which is where they're going to make a bunch of their money on the front end and they're not as likely to buy things except for who are they buying things for the people who are fans of the original trilogy are our our age and older and they're buying for their kids. Well, what are their kids doing? Their kids are watching the 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 Clone Wars cartoons, the Rebels cartoons, and we and they, you're pulling back those fans into Star Wars because their kids are getting into it. But they don't need to make content for us anymore. We got Rogue One. That was for the original trilogy fans in in many regards, um, and I think the Mandalorian is to a certain extent. But because Dave Filoni has hit on being the person who took over for George and created, like you guys, like you said, Michael, the Clone Wars series, which is a tent pole for the entire Star Wars franchise at this point. Um, This is why Kenobi was made because it was a, it was backed off of a bunch of of things that came out of the Clone Wars. And so I think that that's really where Disney is focusing their energy and their effort. Um, They even changed the personality of their, of their Twitter account recently, like, like within the last two (laughs) weeks. And I just think that that is part of their strategy. So Rogue Disney, you're saying you, you spend a ton of money on OT content. I'm not saying you don't, I'm not saying I don't, I'm just saying the bulk of that money is coming from a different group at this point in time. And I mean, to me, I think what I'm having to to struggle with is that as a person who's not resonating as much with these stories, some Mm. of it being generational, um, I'm having a harder time. I'm having a harder time connecting and I'm having a harder time when I go on Twitter and I see how people are responding. It's really hard for me not to want to be like, wait a minute, guys, do you understand 
that I'm seeing this from a completely different perspective than you are. And it's not, my perspective is not pos as positive as yours is. And it's almost like I'm the villain for saying that, right? <laughs> so that's that might be social media too because social is, media yeah like social media extreme like we can sit in a room or a virtual room like this and have different opinions and we're not like you know calling each other's throats <laughs> well well you you just other. didn't understand it yeah, yeah. <laughs> right yeah, you know yeah. um, I, I i guess what i would offer because i jay what i would love to hear your response to is mm. one interesting thing about what you're saying is i guess there's two points i make. Mean. first off the the original trilogy fans, I think, are still being appealed to, but there is a huge chunk of us that uh, they have sworn off because we swore off Star Wars. There were a bunch of people who looked at the prequels and went, there are no other <laughs> movies. There's three movies. And it's like, well, if that's how you feel, well, good. You know, you have yeah. those three movies and you're going to this is continuing. This train is going on without you. Um, yeah. and, and the other thing is that. Uh, I do think that they are focusing on what you're saying, the prequel fans, mainly because Filoni does seem like he is emerging as, uh, he seems like he's uh, kind of head in head with uh, Favreau, but Filoni, I think everyone who really loves Star Wars, or really knows Star Wars is probably like when everyone feels comfortable being like, yeah, this guy seems like he could do it. He could, yes. he could oversee everything and make it work for the most mm -hmm. part. And I do think that they're wisely doubling down on that. But at the same time, like when we look at the Kenobi series, they held back so much on like referencing Clone Wars. I mean, they did a little bit, but we did. We got no flashback to the Clone Wars era of of. I mean, we got pre Clone Wars, but we did not get any Clone Wars era like Anakin mm. and Obi Wan. No references to Ahsoka. No references to Satine. Like there was a lot yeah. of Obi Wan's history that they could have mined that they kind of held back on i think specifically because they did want original trilogy people to become able to come in not have watched the animated series and, and still follow along and so I, I think what they're trying to do is i think you're right that the main audience is the one that you're talking about them focusing on but i think they're still going like hey we're open to feeding people who love the prequels people who love the sequels people who love the original trilogy especially given how much kenobi recontextualizes a new hope sort of guide you into like rewatching it. But I think they are also going like, you have to be willing. Um, and I'm not saying that anyone who did not like the series isn't, but yeah. I think their approach is you have to be willing to let Star Wars grow. Like this is the one successful thing, uh, whether we think it, they're doing good work or poor work, you know, on a critical basis is they are allowing it to grow into a new generation. It's not being held back in the way that, that some franchise have. And they there aren't people that are coming to it because of that. There, are, I think we discussed on our episode, there's there's different generations of fans. There's yeah. people who came in on the sequels or people who came on the Clone Wars. And, yeah. and there's going to be a new group that like, hey, I watched the Star Wars Disney Plus shows with, with my dad or my mom. And, and that's how I got introduced to it. So I, I think they're trying to do a, a, a balancing act that is not going to satisfy everyone, unfortunately, you know, and, and it's okay great. not to be satisfied to a yeah. degree. Yeah. There's, I totally to agree. your point about swearing off fans, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot the people that hate Kathleen Kennedy. <laughs> I forgot them. Yeah. Um, as if she, as if she's never done anything good for star Wars or, or me, pop let culture. Me <laughs> let me say, let me say this again. Let me say, let me say this again. I've said it on many shows, but I'll say it again. 
I don't mind you picking out her losses. But if she's in control for the losses, she's in control for the wins. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. You're damn right. <laughs> you can't have it both ways. Michael, so, don't you okay, realize there's a secret hated, war going hated, on? In- <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I hated this show. It's all Kathleen's fault. Oh, Mandalorian is awesome. It's all Dave Filoni's Right, win. right, like, right. Whoa, 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 whoa. Sean Favreau's taking <laughs> Kathleen Kennedy's job. He's in a secret. Uh, you're like, what? How many videos can we make like this? Well, this is a, this is a, this is a, um, the Kathleen Kennedy issue is a misunderstanding of what Kathleen uh, Kennedy's role is in sure. Star Wars. Thank you. Because Kathleen Kennedy's role in Star Wars, she's a money person. <laughs> she's Thank a production you. person. She is not a story person. And by the way, the story group, the story group is actually a group of librarians. They are not they are not the storytellers the way that we would assume right, that right. they're yeah. not brought in to write scripts they're not brought they don't do those kinds of things they're like they an encyclopedia reference they are an yeah. encyclopedia so so the way that lucasfilm has set itself up i think is one of the reasons we get such discombobulated uh sure, sure. ideas about what star wars is because it's it's not set up in a way that I think. I think that 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 John Favreau and Dave Filoni, if they took over guiding all of the stories that are in the in the universe, I think they had a little bit of a miss with Book of Boba Fett. Just my personal opinion, but I would say give the storytelling over to them and watch them run with it because I think they'll do a really good job. Um, but but I do want to continue that's, that's on because <laughs> that's because that's because the money people were like, hey yo. Look, it's time to get that Boba Fett money, man. You know people love Boba Fett. It's like, oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. but we already made it with Mandalorian. Yeah. So we ain't got no more ideas for it. Yeah. And we're in the middle of the, what, second or third season? We're in the middle of the third season. So, <laughs> like, we ain't got no ideas for that. We been, we we thought you didn't want... Because remember, the idea was there's never going to be a Boba Fett show. So it's like, we are, I ain't cool. We made our own Boba Fett. Right, Mrs. right. Din Djarin, that's who we've been rolling with. And now all of a sudden you say you want Boba Fett. I right, well, I guess I had to figure out something with some Tuscans. And I don't know. We'll, <laughs> figure, we'll, we'll make something happen. And this why it's like, you got like two episodes that's like, Boba? Yeah. <laughs> Can we, yeah, yeah. Are you there? <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> but, Which I could mean, have worked, like, but it didn't. You know, <laughs> it, it, what it did was like, oh yeah, then Jarius back. Word, hey yo, how you been? <laughs> I ain't seen you in a while. Yo, have you seen Grogu? What's he up to? Like, <laughs> oh hey, you know this is Boba Fett, right? Oh no, don't worry about that. What what are you doing right now? What's what's going on? <laughs> like, well, and and let's let's face it, the reason why Mandalorian was so good. Is because it had John Favreau, who has the original trilogy sensibilities, sure. with mm-hmm. Dave Filoni, who has yep. the George Lucas sensibilities, and they just yeah. merged those two together in a in what's basically going to appease a large majority of the fan base. So, obviously, it, Star Wars is still figuring itself out, and and I think that you know we had we had some good episodes here we had some bad well not everyone thinks they're bad but we had some we had some inconsistencies even in this show right and so it is it is going to be what we get out of star wars until star wars says this is the kevin feige this is who hires the people who are going to work under the kevin feige and we're going to proceed as as we need to and i don't know why they haven't moved in that direction yet i think it's a big miss on their part honestly um 
but it is what it is. So I do want to talk a little bit more about this finale, though. Great questions. So thanks for bringing that up, Rogue Disney. That was fun. Um, what did you not like? If you guys don't mind, I'll, I'll just throw out a few things that I sure. didn't like about it. I mentioned a few things already, um, talking about how I felt like it was a lot of fan service. Um, I, I don't think I gave my rating on the entire series as a whole. I think I give the series as a whole about a five and a half out of ten, probably, which is largely driven by the finale because uh, the other shows I actually liked quite a bit. Um, but uh, a couple things. I don't need to see a Vader Obi-Wan fight because I'll tell you what happened to me watching the Vader, Vader Obi-Wan fight. And it happened to me seeing Leia again, too. And if you're going to put those things in a TV show, I have to ask myself, does this improve my favorite version of Star Wars, which is A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back? Does it improve it? Or does it actually just detract from it in some way or distract me from remembering these characters in the same way? And this is the first episode where I felt like, oh, you're not going anywhere with it. It just was something to move your story forward and get me to watch. And I felt like that was a little bit of a bait and switch. It was kind of like, there's not a compelling reason from a character standpoint that these characters need to do this. And I felt in some ways that it actually took away from some of the interactions I saw later. I prefer a longer time between Obi-Wan and Vader meeting up again. I prefer a longer time because that longer time allows this rumination of, of yeah, it's not like I just saw you 10 years ago. I didn't. I haven't seen you for 20 years and I didn't know you were alive. And those kind of things to me uh, were pretty powerful in that film. But here, seeing it again kind of makes me think like, I don't think I needed those character moments. And now I'm, I'm, I'm feeling odd about them. I don't, I don't love them. I mean, the Leia story to me, even though I like, I like seeing Leia and I, and I think that they portrayed her really well. It's basically an excuse to get Obi-Wan off of Tatooine, which is weird because Obi-Wan at the end of this series is leaving Tatooine. So we're like, why did you even go to Tatooine in the first place? Obviously, because we could watch over Luke, but like, he, it's, it's just odd that he feels like he doesn't need to watch over Luke anymore at the end of the series. And he's going to come back and watch over Luke again later on down the road. So that just is, it's just odd to me. And it just feels like that's where it feels like it's, um, that's uh, to use Rogue Disney's word, weaponized nostalgia. Get involved because you love these characters, but we're not really going anywhere with it. So I think that that was just a little bit of a letdown for me. And then I think that these moments were. So let me just let me just say this. I thought that Spider-Man No Way Home, if you were going to weaponize nostalgia in a way that would get me to feel all the feels and be happy about it, was the exact perfect way of doing that. And not only that, but you actually you actually covered some of the moments and had character development when uh, when Andrew Garfield catches MJ, and it's a complete redemption of what happened to his character in his films. Like those to me are like their character building moments. Let me give you a few moments that to me felt like they were just fan service moments. And if you if you guys love these moments, I don't mean to be offensive. They just didn't hit me right. And that was, you get the emperor, right? Like now you, you get the emperor and there's nothing like interesting about the emperor except for he's there, right? Like, so it's not like he's got like clones in the background that he's cloning for the sequel trilogy or anything <laughs> like that. 
Um, but we also get the the hello there moment. And I'm like, oh man, like that's such a meme now. It's such a meme that it's losing value, <laughs> right? Um, we we get the Obi-Wan meeting Luke moment. And I, and I just felt like it, it was kind of one of those things where it was like, man, I just don't feel like that, that I need that moment right now because I know what's going to happen later. I already know what's going to happen later. And then the moment that I really wanted to see, the Qui-Gon moment, does not make sense to me because if someone is in the midst of anxiety and depression and having a hard time connecting with the force, what better time to connect with a mentor? And the mentor doesn't show up till he solved the problem. You know, so I just, to me, it was like- It's it was, like cops in an action movie. They show up <laughs> in the end. It's like, yo, thanks, but I fixed everything. You know what I mean? Like, no matter whether it's Die Hard or whatever, it's like, they always show up at the end. In the very end, like, oh, we're here. It's like, we fixed it. Yes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And it just felt to me like those were fan service moments that they didn't help build the character arcs. They didn't help build um, what I was hoping to see in this bigger picture of where this show was going. I would have loved it. I thought this was going to happen. Didn't happen. I would have loved it if when Kenobi is in the rubble, after Vader has brought the rubble on top of him, if if Qui-Gon's voice came to him in that moment and said, do you remember me meditating when we were fighting Darth Maul? That's what you need to do now, Obi-Wan. Like, connect with the Force. The Force will get you through this. But instead, it's kind of like, figure it out on your own, kid, and then I'll show up when you figured it out. It just, to me, to me, those things were, that's that's why I was I felt like those things were such fan service moments. Again, if you like them, fan service is really cool. Because what it does is it says, we know you want this, so here it is on a plate, right? Um, which you shouldn't feel ashamed of. But for me personally, those moments felt a lot more forced than I was hoping that they would feel. So having said my piece on what I struggled with with the, with the episode, I don't mean to rain on anybody's parade. I really don't. Because for people who like this, I don't want you to think that um, you shouldn't like it for some reason or any of those things. Uh, but... Michael, why don't I start with you? I know, Brian, you're going to bring us back up because you might say some things you dislike, <laughs> but we know that you like the show in general. So, Michael, what do you think? What are some of the things that you struggled with with the show? Okay. Um, Leia is not 10. She's not. That girl is not 10. <laughs> it, it bothered me because I was like, this girl is not 10. She's not 10 years old. And I know it's a dumb thing. Cause we watch high school movies and stuff and people be like 50 years old pretending that they're a high school senior. But it's it killed me that she wasn't 10. I'm like, yo, isn't this kid like five? Huh? And then Leia, it's not her fault because this is what the direction or the script or whatever told her to do, but or the story told her to do, but she was annoying through a lot of it. Like, like, especially they did the thing with her that they do with a lot of um, they do with like a lot of rescue scenes where the person you're rescuing is it's super clear that you're rescuing them, but they fight you all the way. And it's not only in this, they do it, you know, in tons of movies and shows, but it's just annoying. So not only is she the precocious, the Hollywood precocious child, where it's like, We've seen children. We've been around children. Yes, there's some precocious children, but some kids are just kids. So, like, so now she's like, she's like the short 35 year old, and <laughs> on, and on top of that, now she's gonna fight us 
on everything. And I remember watching the second episode. It was second or third. And I was like, would you just shut up so we can go? Like, so I can save you? Like, can you just, like, they're shooting, okay? They're shooting. Like, can, can we just go? Like, because there's things, I got things to do. I'm cutting meat and tattooing, you know, and then my hiding out. I got things to do. I don't I don't want to be here. You know what I mean? I'm here helping your daddy out. You know? so, it's, so it that's the thing that really got me. Then the infighting from the Inquisitors. The Inquisitors characterization in other mediums has always been they weren't best friends, but they were definitely like a unit. Like they moved it. And all we saw them essentially doing was like infighting, similar to kind of like Rogue One, where it was like you found out the Empire was just like corporate work, <laughs> where Tarkin is like stealing the idea of his thing. It's like, no, no, this is my project. It was your project. But now I'm your boss and it's my project. <laughs> but you know, we've all been in some kind of meeting where they're giving somebody praise and you're like, uh, we are the ones that did this. Like, yeah, he's in charge, but he he didn't know anything. Well, we did the work. So you just see a lot of infighting. And I really didn't care about Reva. I didn't care about her being from the gutter. I didn't care about anything until I was like, oh, cool. Revenge plot. Man, this could have been a better show on its own mm -hmm. of the revenge plot of the kid you killed younglings. So it's like, oh, snap. One of them actually made it and has crawled tooth and nail to kill you? Hey, <laughs> can I watch that instead? Yeah. Nah. <laughs> what you can watch, what you can watch is a couple of cool moments woven together in like this loose thing we're calling a story mm. that has some strong moments, but when you put it all together, you're like, yeah, this didn't need six episodes. Probably could have had three, maybe four, and like tied this up. But uh, those are the two main things: the the Inquisitors infighting, which I was like, I just don't care that they're infighting because you haven't showed them as being a force to be reckoned with. So we don't. I don't really care. And then Leia just really until. Uh, the episode where Reva's um, interrogating her, then I was like, okay, cool. You know, hey, it is what it is. I'm cool. Just lay it, do your thing. Hmm. But, but just Hollywood, kids don't all have to be the same. <laughs> and Hollywood, sometimes if someone wants to save someone, they can like help them save them. Like, oh, go this way. Oh yeah, I'll change my hair or maybe I'll put a hood on. I won't just run around all willy nilly. Hey, people are trying to kill me, but no big deal. Like <laughs> Hollywood, you don't have to do that. You, know, you just don't have to do that. You know what a lot of that is too with the kids? It's interesting because you know, being a huge Stranger <laughs> Things fan, which is mostly about kids, um, it's a lot of times it's when the kids have to interact with an adult world as opposed to kids being like when you watch Goonies, right? It's like, yeah, that you're in the kid's world. When you're in the kid's world, it's a different thing. But when you add a kid to the adult world and make the kid basically an outsmart, outsmarting all the adults, it's one thing for a kid to win in the kid's world. It's another thing for, 
for a kid to win in the adult world because you're kind of like uh. so i didn't i didn't have any major problems with leia but i totally understand where, where you're going with that so brent what do you what do you what are some of the things that you didn't like but also lift us back up a little bit get us get us more get us more positive back more positivity back in the show well i, I guarantee that we probably all could talk about this for hours like if, <laughs> the hardest thing is to not respond yeah. to all these things and go on for 20 more minutes about <laughs> about these specific things um I, I i guess i'll just offer um leia does have a lot of similarities with with who she is in a new hope but uh we'll, we'll pause that conversation maybe we can have it after after the recording yeah. things that i did not like about this series um yeah I, I did have less i guess than both of you but but there were things that um bothered me and i i think um i i don't always like the derivativeness that we sometimes see with these stories. Um, I defend Star Wars a lot because I think people call it derivative too much or or don't understand how much that actually is part of the story. When you look at what George Lucas was doing, he very much is telling stories about uh, similar events occurring, things being passed on the generations, dealing with the same uh, the same issues over and over, which I think is, is the story of human life. We continue to do that in our, our own lives. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, I always, I always laugh when people are like, uh, oh, another Death Star. You know, I, I get it. I get it. There's been so many Death Stars. But you know what? How many decades have we been uh, obsessing about nuclear weapons? We haven't moved on to the the next thing. We're still, you know, where are weapons of mass destruction? Oh, are they bigger? Are they easier to shoot? Yep. OK, so so we I, th I do think that some of these things do, you know, reflect uh, our, our, our own life. But um, one thing that bothered me in this series and, uh, is that, um, you know, I don't know that I wanted Riva to to die, but I think it might have added some oomph to her story. I feel like one thing that that left me kind of scratching my head is how did she shrug off this like this gut stab with laser uh, with with lightsabers, with laser swords, you know, um, we saw the Grand Inquisitor do something similar. And I kind of just went with it like, okay, he's not human. Maybe there's something else going on. They've even implied in the comics that he might somehow be uh, trapped in living again and again. And that Vader has some sort of um, some like he's essentially like a, a, a guard slave for for Vader. And he just continues to live again and again. Um, but that aside, uh, you know, I, I just feel like that Reva... Um, her story at the end was really powerful. It would have been even more powerful to me if that injury was mortal or serious in some way. If she was struggling with that injury, maybe it's not a gut stab. Maybe she's lost an arm or something, whatever it is. But I, I do feel like that kind of went away. It was like Vader stabbed her, hmm. left her alone, and then she is off on some new adventures uh, later, which... I, again, I just don't know if that feels true to that character's story. Um, but, you know, who knows? She'll come back like Darth Maul and I'll be like, thank God they didn't kill her. You know, <laughs> they, had a, they had a story in mind. Um, other than that, uh, I, you know, I do, again, going with derivativeness, as much as I liked the, the Vader-Kenobi um, confrontation, I, I do think, hey, like, let's switch it up. Let's not, let's not copy what we've done in the animated series mm. so closely mm. uh let's show something a little bit different and and one element of that too that i've always struggled with since the prequels is 
and and Star Wars has sort of walked away from this, so I I think this is sort of a, a unnecessary complaint, but I'll I'll throw it out there. Um, it always feels weird to me when uh, conflict is chosen when it doesn't seem to be the appropriate physical conflict is chosen when it doesn't seem to be the appropriate task for the that character. Hmm. I really feel like it was something to see Obi Wan get into his Clone Wars stance and and go at Vader. But it lasted so long, I think, because they wanted to give us this really meaningful action scene, when I think this series is not about meaningful action scenes or, mm -hmm. or massive action scenes. This is a story, if we look at what Kenobi was trying to tell us, this is how do we get from the broken man at the end of the prequels who has been completely manipulated, as every Jedi has, has been disillusioned and has walked to some degree away from the Jedi values, you know, because of his participation in the Clone Wars, his blindness, the same way that Yoda feels that and has to, to go into to some sort of uh, exile. Mm. Um, and, and how do we get to that character that we meet in A New Hope, where he's not a broken man when Luke meets him. He has a little bit of humor. He has a little bit of lightness. He has something to teach uh, these characters. And, and he walks into that Vader confrontation like, hey, this is no big deal, man. I'm at peace with mm. who I am. I know what I'm my my role is to play, you know. Mm. And so I do Definitely. think that there was uh, I don't know if it was necessary. Like, I think you when you play with these things, you always have the, uh, you know, the the potential of doing what I think has happened to Jay, where it's like your imagination was more powerful than the story that they told. Right. That's going to happen sometimes. So for you, this 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 was is not able to compare with what you had in your mind for years, you know. Right. But there there is a story to be told. It's I don't know if it had to be told, but there is a story about how do we get this character from being a soldier to mm -hmm. going back to the roots of like a Jedi, a mentor, someone who does not physically defeat you mm -hmm. someone who defeats you with mm -hmm. their their spiritual faith you know to a degree that that finds a, a way around it mm -hmm. um and and uh that long way of saying i feel like the conflict with um with obi-wan and vader could have very quickly turned into vader trying to kill obi-wan and obi-wan refusing to fight him you know mm. i think there should have been more there where obi-wan was like listen i I've been doing the wrong thing. I've been detached from my connection to the force because I don't necessarily believe that there's something, you know, to believe in. I don't know where we went wrong. I don't know what hope lies. I don't know what future really exists for these children. And I was a soldier, which mm. a Jedi is never supposed to be. You know, mm. I spent I spent my last few years, you know, uh, lost in in war. Mm. And and so um, having some sort of confrontation, it was more like. Him, you know, I go back to your Qui-Gon moment that you kind of referenced, Jay, a moment like that where he kind of he finds the spiritual um, mm -hmm. moment of clarity, you know, mm -hmm. um, they, there's some of that in this series, but it would have been really neat to see that in the fight of Vader with Vader and a almost a mirror image of what Vader was doing with Reva, the, the episode before, where he didn't even like pull his lightsaber right away. He was just kind of like dodging or moving there there could have been a power i think in allowing vader to rage and having obi-wan find that stillness you know yes. um and and but but star wars isn't like that you know they want to make <laughs> yeah, at this point they want to make yoda you know jump around fight with a lightsaber <laughs> something i never thought i would see you know i thought you would grow past that at some point 
Um, but but um, but as my friend Hannibal Taboo likes to say, Jedi like to Jedi like to use their lightsabers. They like to be flashy. Like they, they like to get in these fights. So so maybe they're not completely honest with themselves in every period about about you know what what their uh, what their true desires are. Um, and and I, I I guess the last thing I can say is the Qui Gon moment. Um, I think it's something that might work for me uh, mm. the more I sit with it, but sure. it was a little bit less than I was expecting. I was expecting that to be a big part mm -hmm. of the series. And it was more of like a, a nice nod to something that's to come. You know, right. I feel like w when we're talking about the series, I, I saw it as being a complete story. And what we really do is we get just, we just get Obi-Wan to that point where he's like figured out, Hey, this is this is what I need to do. This is how I get back to who I am, to to what being a Jedi is. And there's going to be, you know, the next ten years or whatever that are left. I assume is him conferring with uh, Qui Gon, becoming more assured with his his place in the world now. Um, and this was really just about getting him to that place and kind of leaving some of it still for our imagination, you know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and let me pick up on a couple of things you said because I think that there's some um, really interesting things to play with there. And and just for context, like as a writer, I have a really hard time not identifying problems and then trying to also solve them. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and so one of the things that I will say is that you brought up that I and you actually both brought it up in different contexts. I think that there are two great stories here. Because I think that there's a story, there's a great story, and, and Rogue Disney brought it up in the in the chat saying there's a PTSD series about Kenobi that is an amazing series. And this that's why I liked everything until episode six, because I thought we were going to really dive into that a little bit more, right? Um, but it ended up not being so much about, it is about that, but we don't get enough time with that to make that really be meaningful to us on screen. Um, so there's that series, which I think is a phenomenal series. The other series that we've got is the Riva series. And Riva has the biggest character arc in the, ent in the entire uh, six episodes, right? Like she, she has the biggest change. Um, Kenobi does change too, but I think she edges him out a little bit. Um, those are two great series, but I think one of the problems was that I think they ran into, I talked a lot about this more on the show I did this morning, where if you know where Anakin ends up and you know where Kenobi ends up, and then they're going to throw in Leia too. And by the way, we know where Leia ends up. If you throw yeah. those three characters in and you know where they end up, you even know where aunt and uncle and uncles uh, end up, right? <laughs> yeah, we know so, where they end up. We know where oh, they end boy. up. So the problem is, is that now you've got to give us something that increases the stakes to some degree. Riva is that character. That's why this character was added to say, oh, there's a character who we don't know what's going to happen with her. And Tala was that way too, right? And I think that the problem is, is that there were now too many subplots for six episodes. Make it 10 episodes, really dig into Kenobi's PTSD. Also really dig into Riva and how Riva is adjusted over time, how she got to be in the an Inquisitor in the first place. Those things for me would have really fleshed out what I think this show was attempting to do. But give them, you know, again, you, you guys both said it, like when they're just trying to film content, it starts to feel like a money grab because it's like, we'll make it 10 or 12 episodes or 
take a character out and make it about one character. But I think they're struggling with a lot of different things on the story side that make it really difficult to accomplish all of what they want to accomplish. Well, you could have tied those two storylines together too really well, because it, obviously if both are dealing with trauma, both are dealing with PTSD, mm-hmm. they can reflect on one another. And they did at times, I think in their strongest moments. And maybe moments, even find you know? stronger kinship than they did yeah. in the yeah. fifth episode. Yeah, yeah. I, I honestly think one thing that would have, and I, I again, I, I don't know. I, I think that you are right about there seem to be too many um, additional stories going on. I think they were trying to satisfy several audiences. Mm-hmm. And I almost wonder if they, there's, you know, there's been so much uh, pushback against the de-aging and the, the CGI, like re uh, occurrences of Luke and, and like say Tarkin and these other characters. I wonder if they were a little shy about doing that too much in this series, but there's part of me that goes like, I wonder if that, hurt them a little bit because Hmm. in some ways part of the strongest part of episode five was being able to cut back and forth between the flashbacks that actually served the story and see obi-wan and anakin together and then have it reflect on where they are and there there's part of me that goes like you know the first episode really dived into the the despair the ptsd that that kenobi had i wonder if we had had less of a need to get into like a sort of a swashbuckling story. And we were more introspective and left Obi-Wan on the planet on Tatooine by himself for the most part, ruminating with these things and had a flashback every episode to the connection with Anakin. Mm. And, you know, I wonder if that would have served it better because it would have been so laser focused on those specific elements. I think there was, a need in some degree to go like, well, people are going to get bored of this guy just being depressed <laughs> and going over the past. Yeah. And, you know, maybe, maybe it's a little too, I don't want to say it's too mature for Star Wars. Cause I think Star Wars can be very mature at times, yeah. but, but maybe yeah, they definitely. felt like the younger audience is not going, you know, like your, your 10 year olds are not going to enjoy Oh, here's the f- a guy in his, f- you know, mid forties, going like, <laughs> "What has happened to my life? What? How do I? How do I see my way out of here?" Um, but I do think that maybe that would have helped a little bit because they worked so well in in that in that first or in that fifth episode, you know? Yeah, yeah, I, and that was that. Well, a lot of what you're saying is what I think made in my comparison with Logan, right? Because Logan, which I talked about, you can go back and watch that video, but I talked a lot about with Logan is like. The, the one element that I think Logan has, well, Logan has two main elements that this show does not have, but all the other elements are the same. He's depressed. He's alone. He's trying to figure out how to recover from having been a former hero and no longer a hero living in a world that's going down the wrong path, has to take care of a little girl. Like, I mean, there's so many similarities between the two sure. films, but the one thing that Logan has going for it that Kenobi doesn't is that one we don't know how this story ends, right? We we don't know what happens with Laura. We were surprised by the Professor X death. Um, and then when it we figure out that Logan's going to die, okay, okay, now we get it. We, that's crazy. And then we were able to process all that. But the other thing is that, and again, I think this is a, this is a sense of time. Logan is active where Kenobi is inactive. Now, what do I mean by a reactive is a better way of saying it. Logan wants to get a boat and take Professor X out on the boat 
to kind of end life that way. And he's very dedicated to it. He's doing all of these things to protect that dream, to pursue that dream. He's active. Kenobi is basically like, I don't want to do any of these things. I'd rather just go back to Tatooine for most of the series <laughs> until the very, very end. And so I think that what that does is, again, too many characters to play with, so we can't give him... But if we gave him something else to be more actively pursuing, I think it would come off a little better. It would it would feel a little bit more like we understood what his conflict actually was and, and where he was struggling with that. Um, but again, these are all things that... Um, you know, it's not a bad show. I don't hate the show. I like it better than Book of Boba Fett. Yeah, because um, you pitched that. I pitched like two or three shows. Yeah, exactly, you, exactly. Like I'm sure Brian pitches. And I guess it's because you think like, you know, there's no way I'm coming up with better ideas. There's no way. Like these people are like, they're working at Disney. But then you think, oh, yeah, I forgot how Hollywood works. Like, it's somebody's brother, or this is my son, or this is my nephew, or this is my best friend. It's like, no, maybe I could have better ideas. (laughs) (laughs) Because, I mean, I have the Obi-Wan on the run storyline, where it's like, hey, this is like right after. And like, they're chasing him down. He's ducking, dodging. They're on his tail the whole time. You got that idea. Then you got kind of like this show, but in a man on fire version. Mm-hmm. where I've been cut off from the force, but the second they took Leia, okay, now I got to kill people. You know, like, and then it's like, then it's like, oh. Yeah. That's like Logan, one, right? Yeah. He's not really a Jedi, is he? Mm-hmm. And then maybe have him struggle with that with Qui-Gon and being like, look, they took the girl. This is what it is. And then being like, oh, this is a different guy. But yeah. then you have, you know, something come on y'all you guys are making millions that there's that scene early on in logan where he he's uh he's chauffeuring the guys around and he just goes full violent on them and then when he sticks the claws to the guy's head that's when you know oh this is not wolverine that i i mean wolverine's always had a bad attitude but he's not killed like semi-innocent just people because they were annoying you know what i mean like now granted these guys were a little more than annoying but you still see how violent and visceral it is for logan to be living that trauma out every single day and i think that that's a little bit different here not to say that there's not a show that could be slower i can't remember brian if it was you that was like i thought we were going to spend a lot of time with kenobi in the desert and i was here for that and i would have been there for that too i think that's worthy of exploration um but I do think one other thing I was going to bring up, and then we'll we'll work on wrapping this up because I know it's getting late. Um, I have started to see, I've been trying to understand, you know, what is the what are the people who really love this series? Not the way Brian loves this series, but there's another kind of undercurrent that I'm experiencing that I'm I'm really as a story as a person who writes and tries to tell stories. I'm really shocked by it, and there is this. There's this undercurrent in some fandoms that really is looking for less conflict and more wish fulfillment. And this is very shocking to me because I'm usually not looking for that. But but I've heard these, these undercurrents of like, I actually don't like it when characters die. And I'm really looking forward to talking to some of the people who say these things because I'm really trying to understand what it is that they're... And, I, and my guess is this. The world has become challenging enough for us to deal with and complex enough for us to deal with. I think a lot of that's driven by social media and the negativity on social media that 
that we actually just want to escape with with fewer lessons. We want to escape to material and have fewer lessons associated with it. But for someone who 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 has like a very intense love of tragic stories and tragedies, that is like I'm sitting here going like, whoa! You can't take you can't take those things away from me because that's how I understand. That's how I understand the chaos around me is through the telling of stories that are tragic and understanding what it means to live in a world that would like you to go down tragic paths, but finding ways to uh, to get around those things. Um, and so I'm just wondering where Star Wars goes with that if they start to lean into that more. Um, it's a strange, it's a strange thing that I never, I'd never considered before until I started seeing it more often. But I don't know if you guys are seeing that or if that's something that you guys are encountering. Yeah, yeah I, I think stuff like that undercuts the story as a whole. Mm. In Star Wars, since we talked about Reva, I think it undercut her story. Mm. If because I mean, she's not going to be able to get Vader back. So I mean, in her story with him cutting or with him. Uh, stabbing her through or running her through and you know like looking in her eyes and her getting that parallel from back then and then now of like what happened and then that's just the sad way she ended she wanted revenge she couldn't get it just is what it is and then in the sequel trilogy when we're like oh man her powers are so crazy and she's so out of control that she killed Chewbacca on accident then it's like psych he's alive it's like no (laughs) Like and not saying that I'm like trying to like hey y'all I want to you want to sign this petition petition <laughs> no but I'm just saying it's like you undercut the the meat and the weight of that moment to like yeah. oh well it was all right well so I guess I guess everything's all right now the, you know it's like it's you don't it's kind of like what Marvel does when Marvel will have a weighty moment and then follow it up immediately with a joke and it's like no. No, just just let the moment live. It's, live there, it's yeah. okay. Like, just let that moment live. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think it undercuts the weight of the story and the consequences to the character or characters. But who knows? I'm sure there's some people out there like, yes, she's alive. Well, I think I think there is a the, I think one of the valid arguments that I would bring up as it pertains to. Um, because I've heard this, I've heard this from some people, but and some of the people I've heard it from are like really well versed in story, and and they have some really good points. So I'm not trying to, th- what I'm not trying to do is say like, wow, this is a horrible idea. I'm just trying to understand the idea is what, I, and I, I tend to agree with you, Michael, about like how that idea plays out, and I don't like how it plays out generally. But one of the points they've brought up is that a lot of times the characters who end up dying are the female characters or the characters of color. And that's where it gets really uncomfortable because it's kind of like, well, then the only people that go on living are like the white males. The main white cast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I think there's a really okay. good, strong point to be made sure. there. And so that's why I'm struggling with it because I'm like, I get that and I totally agree with that. <laughs> and I want that to change. But also, um, you know, I just know for myself. Just, just don't put them in that situation. Yeah, exactly. Put different characters in that situation, right? Um, but yeah. I, I uh, feel a couple of different ways on this. Um, mm. interest, it's really interesting to hear you talk about it because um, I have seen, I've seen similar stuff online uh, where individuals or, or fans are like, I don't want this character to die or don't let this character die or don't let this character, something bad happen to them. Mm. Um, 
and and yeah as a writer myself i have gone like <laughs> you know or even at you know i used to be uh, an actor i went to school for acting those are the roles that you generally want you want the conflict you want the drama you hope for a good death scene you know you hope to not like outweigh or outstay your welcome um and you know what fans are not always going to get that um fans are fans this is why they you know need to be able to express themselves to a certain degree but not necessarily be in the driver's seat mm. of where the content is going. Mm. Um, and I think Lucasfilm has, has had, you know, uh, steps in both, both of those arenas. You know, there are times when I feel like they've made choices because of fans um, and where yeah. and choices that they, you know, that go against fans. Um, I mean, we can, uh, you know, you know, criticize uh, Chewie, not, you know, his, his death, not being fulfilled at the way they kind of played that, that game on us in rise of Skywalker. But at the same time, you know, someone had the guts to put a uh, saber through Han Solo in the first Star <laughs> Wars movie in what, like two decades. And and like yeah. they they did not shy away from that. You know, I mean, I know certain stars lined where Harrison Ford was probably like, you know, this is the only way I'm coming back. <laughs> but um, but at the same time, like it, I find it so interesting that people look at force awakens for all the criticisms you can give it and go well that's a safe movie i'm like i don't know that it's safe to kill han solo mm. in your film they could have pissed off a lot of people and and i know some people that are you know um so so i think that they you know i, I want to give them credit where they are making these choices and also uh acknowledge another thing that that star wars is sort of different than these other uh franchises we're talking about i think star wars can only not that it can't be malleable but it, it's a story that always is going to center to some degree or reflect some degree on family and it's always going to have some sense of hope you know even revenge of the sith which is probably the darkest entry that we've seen so far or rogue one mm -hmm. i mean everyone dies in rogue one but the end of that story is hopeful you know, right. it's not it's not supposed to be a, a complete downer. You're supposed to feel the pa the pathos. But but it's it's Star Wars, I think, has certain elements that have to be kind of present. Not that you have to copy, not that you have to do the same thing. But um, I don't think that Star Wars can get too cynical to a degree. Right. Um, one thing about about uh, about Logan that I love is that it does have that cynicism. It does have. Um, hope at the same time, but it, it given the R rating to some degree, they were able to go. This is this is the last Logan story. This is we're going all the way. We're we're talking to adults who have been raised on these movies, and and if we do compare it to Star Wars, you got to think about well, how do I feel about every other X Men movie that led up to Logan? <laughs> right, right. You know, are they the same quality? Do they do they pay off the <laughs> same way, or is there this one gem? You know, that that happened. Um, so I so I think that all these things sort of factor in yes. um, and, and in what is most difficult, I think, as a creator and a fan these days is to kind of wrap your hands around and grapple with social media. Um, yes. You know, I you know, it's not it's not so I want to be down on social media. It does a lot of great things. Sure. But boy, can it make you miserable or angry at times you know <laughs> totally there are can. there there are definitely times when i feel like uj where i'm like i'm seeing you know one i'll give my example i i am not someone who will um 
uh, cart with any kind of uh, sexism or racism or abuse that was associated with The Last Jedi. But the film didn't work for me as as much as it did for a lot of other people. And, and I feel like I am at least trying to be honest enough with myself to go, this film is is equally loved and, and hated. And then there's there's a middle ground, too. But but it's, it wasn't the greatest film. It wasn't the worst film. And it did divide audience just based on on the story. Yeah. And then there's but if you go online, you know, it's all that you get is. <laughs> fuck these people Lucasfilm <laughs> you know oh my god it's yeah. it's it's, it's horrible and then ruined everything yeah and then the opposite like which is a very difficult if you do have criticisms where it's like this is the most amazing film yes. it is objectively a great film and if you don't <laughs> yeah. think so you know nothing about film and you're like well <laughs> i you know that, that that on its own is hard to deal with and and the algorithms um it's important to know that they want us to have conversation. So the most uh, passionate conversation is two people spitting hate at each other. Yes. And so yeah. those are the ones that rise to no the top. There's no measured approach. It's no, like, not at all. It's the best movie <laughs> right. in the world. And if you didn't like, if you didn't like this character or that character, if you didn't like this or that, then it's because you you don't understand the movie. There's those that you yeah. don't understand it, or or you're racist or you're sexist. And trust me. It happened. There's definitely racism and sexism surrounding a lot of the Last Jedi, but also in that the the character that they hated about the sexism and stuff. Um, can't remember the character's name now. The girl whose sister Rose. died at the beginning. Rose. Rose. Yeah. They didn't give her anything to do, and her story was whack. So, <laughs> so, but that, but see, you can't say that because then you're lumped in, right? With right. everyone, it's like, no, I think Rose is cool. Have Rose give her something to do, right? Besides, like, be there, yeah. And well, and then, and then the whole casino thing. And the, but I will say this Last Jedi tried something, they yeah. tried something different. I'll give them that. Yeah, it was they it was like, a you know bold what? move. Yeah. yeah, they they tried something different. They had no plan. <laughs> we knew that, but they, they had the they opposite tried. plan. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> but but yeah, you know, I, I totally I totally agree with you. And just just to put like a button on it, uh, for hopefully for for uh, both of you, Michael and, and Jay, uh, mm-hmm. feel free to disagree if you don't yeah. agree. But <laughs> I, I I think one thing that we can take away from Kenobi is there's a sense at the end of the series that can be sort of, I think, uh, reflected onto us as fans, as aging fans, Mm. or or maybe ruminated on. And that is the sense that um, time passes. We we age out of these things. And not that that means that Star Wars is not for us or that we are not going to be uh, fans anymore or that we can't get any joy out of it. But part of the joy of Star Wars has to be at some point seeing the wonder and and uh, excitement that you had as a kid in a kid, yeah. you know, that currently mm-hmm. someone that's watching it now, someone that is getting uh, is amazed by what they're seeing, who wants to, you know, grab a stick and be a Jedi or or put, you know, uh, their hair up like Princess Leia, whatever it is um, that th- we see a little bit of Obi-Wan figuring that out at the end of the series where he's like, you know what? The the future is going to be all right. There's some there's something going on here that I had ne- I had not realized was going on. I I did seen I was only seeing the end of my story 
the failures of myself. And I, I was unaware that it's not all about me. It's not all about what I bring to it. Sometimes it's about what is the next person bringing to what's the next story bringing to it and 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 even with something like last jedi where i i would agree with you michael i i think they introduce some great characters much like the pre prequels they introduce some great characters they don't necessarily do much with it but who's who's going to be the dave filoni that comes along and creates the clone wars for the sequel series who's going to take those characters and Ooh. make us go oh man that that's why i love that character you know that's why i can watch these movies again now and have a further context for them so so i i'm going to keep that optimism and hope that that as the world grows there's going to be more uh the universe grows there's going to be more positive in the star wars uh universe than negative yeah, I think that's good. I think it's a great place. I think it's a great place to end the show too. I've kept you guys for a long time. We could keep talking about this for hours. I know, I know us, um, and there's not two people I would I would rather talk with either. You guys are both fantastic, and I love the way that you're able to be critical without being just overly negative and toxic like some of the people out there. So thank you for joining <laughs> yeah. me in that. I want to hear uh, one more time. Tell the people where they can follow you and uh, what you're up to. Why don't you go first, Michael? All right, uh, N-E-R-D-S-O-U-L, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, podcast, all that jazz. Uh, Hip Hop and Geek, we're talking about cool stuff all the time. Come through, it's barbershop style, so we're not we're not just running back the episode. Uh, you know, if you, if you jump in the middle, just be prepared. The conversation <laughs> could go anywhere. We, we were just talking, <laughs> we were just talking about, uh, we were just talking about Young Justice and went on a tangent about how Shaq was awesome and people don't remember because it was so long ago. Like people forget like, like OG Shaq, like the, like the fast Shaq. But, that's right, that's right. but, but uh, it's a lot of fun. Um, I'll say a final thought about this. Kenobi isn't, I know there's tons of people that are like, I've watched it and I just can't watch it anymore. I'm throwing it. It's not that bad. It's not that bad. It's, it's yeah. got highs and lows, but there's some cool stuff in there. There's some cool stuff in it. Just check it out. It's, it's not that bad. Yeah. Tatooine needs more, I guess, more regulations around meat cutting, but... They aren't uh, uh, controlling anything out there. It's, it's lawless country. <laughs> exactly. We know that's true because we see whatever it is, eight or nine years later, we see what Watto's up to. He's not right. no good. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Brian, what about you? Where can people find you and uh, what have you been up to? Well, you can find me on uh, Twitter at Comic Book Slayer, on Instagram at Comic Book Sniffer if you're, if you're looking for more Star Wars hot takes. Um, Fanbasepress.com is is where you can find everything that that I do in in the geek realm. Um, I would invite you to check out our our new series Ripple Effects, which is now on Hoopla Digital. So if you have a library card, you should be able to check it out, check issue one out, um, and also stop by and, and see some of our uh, geek culture content. Uh, as I mentioned, we just put out a, a panel discussion on the 40th anniversary of ET. We're going to be releasing uh, our own Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, podcast at some point, reviewing that. Um, and uh, I think we're talking about Blade Runner coming up. Uh, it's another 40th anniversary for, for a lot of, I mean, 1982 was a big year for movies. So there, yeah. there were a lot, a lot of movies to, to cover. That's awesome. Yeah, I'll definitely go listen to that. That sounds amazing. And if you need a summer audiobook to listen to, I'd love for you to take a read or listen to Death of a Bounty Hunter. If you're a fan of steampunk, fantasy, western mashups, we call them weird westerns, 
then please pick up a copy mm-hmm. of our full cast audiobook, Death of a Bounty Hunter. It's about a desperate sheriff who will do, who will do anything to save his daughter and a bounty hunter who realizes he can no longer run from the truth. It's sort of like Red, Dem- Red Dead Redemption meets Raiders of the Lost Ark, but we throw some badass female characters in there too. A link to deathofabountyhunter.com will be in the description. Please support the show by picking up a copy. And that is it for today's show. If you have a question or a topic you'd like for us to cover in a future episode, please leave me a comment or shoot me an email at hi at reclamationsociety.org. I'd love to include your questions or topic ideas in a future show. New episodes of The Story Geek Show drop every week, both on YouTube and on your preferred podcast provider. And I release these days <laughs> all throughout the week. But I try to release always consistently on Wednesday, but there's always new stuff. So make sure you're subscribed on YouTube or your preferred podcast provider so that you get notified of all the latest content. Thanks for watching. Next up, it's all about Stranger Things. I'll be covering my favorite story of the year this thus far. Stranger Things Season 4, which we're going to get a part 2 of pretty soon, so stay tuned for that, and we will see you on the next show. Thanks again, guys. I love talking with you guys about this kind of stuff. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having us. We'll see you. Bye. <laughs>